Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Morning, Rev. Well, as we come towards the end of our series on uh, inheriting the promised land, looking at the story of Joshua, um, we hit this moment where Joshua, who has led them from the moment that Moses died, He's led them over the River Jordan and into the Promised Land through victory after victory. This moment where he realises that his time has come. Uh, And it's a significant moment for him personally and obviously for the people of Israel as well. And in those kinds of moments, what you say is very significant. You're going to think about what you say um, because essentially you're coming to the end of a chapter. You're coming to the end of a season. And those words in those moments really matter. And so I want us to take heed and listen carefully to the things that Joshua says to the people of Israel uh, as part of his goodbye, if you like. So we're going to look at Joshua chapter 23 and read the whole chapter, which is 16 verses. Here we go. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and you've seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the Great Sea in the West. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land, just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them, but... You shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I'm about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you, not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage and all that is in here. We know, Lord, that there's such depths of treasure in here. We'll only be able to uh, access a very small part of what's in here. But I pray 
uh, as we do so, Lord, that it will be helpful, encouraging, challenging, uh, provoking in the best possible sense to all of us that are listening. Lord, whether we're currently following you or just uh, seeking and looking into following you, I pray everyone will be helped and impacted by this message, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Forgive me, it's a bit of a high pollen day. If I keep scratching my nose, uh, I've had my tablet, but the hay fever is still uh, still working its magic on my nasal system. So forgive me if I look like uh, a Coco the Clown by the end of the sermon or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's just going to have to look beyond that uh, to, the, to the word of God. So like I say, this is a really important moment, um, the people of Israel uh, are about to experience a new season, a new season without Joshua, without this amazing anointed leader. I don't know if you realize this, but the name Joshua is exact. It's the name Jesus. It's the name It's the same Hebrew name, Yeshua, the Lord saves. Um, it's exactly the same name. This Joshua, this anointed leader who takes them into the promises of God. He's a, he's a foreshadowing. He points towards Jesus. We have to see beyond him. To see our anointed leader, the Christ. That's what the word Christ, Messiah means. Anointed one. One been anointed by God. Anointed with the Spirit of God. And, and Joshua points us beyond himself to, to Jesus. The true captain. The captain of the host. The captain of the heavenly armies. Our captain. Um, and we see it's a big moment because he's saying to them, Hey, I'm done. I'm about to go to where of the earth. I'm about to die. I'm, I'm, I'm advanced in years. I've, I've run my race. I've fulfilled the purposes of God for my generation. I've, I've played my part. Uh, but there are these words that he wants to say to them. There are these things that he wants them to know. And it's a fascinating blend of, um, of encouragement and warning. Uh, that's what it is. That's what, if, you, if you read over this maybe a, bit, a few more times this afternoon, you'll see that it's a fascinating blend of encouragement and warning. And what's interesting is, is actually that the end of his discourse is not, is not, at the, is not encouragement, but it's warning. He does some encouragement, some warning, some encouragement, and then he ends on warning, which again is really interesting. You think, well, why is he, why is he doing that? It, it, it won't lend itself to the feel-good factor to do that. It's not, it's not what you would expect when you're, when you're, when you're reading it. Uh, it's, it's surprising. Well, it's because I think that the the impact of the warnings can sometimes be softened if you after you've given them you say something very positive something very reassuring it can take the edge off of the warning and the warnings here they're really serious in this passage and what i want to do is help us to grapple with how do we relate to and understand and make sense of some of the warnings that we see in the Bible, what's going on here? What and what? What's the heart of what they're being warned against? And how does that work for us? All these thousands of years later, New Covenant people, you know, uh, in the UK, not in the Middle East, you know, so, such different things. How does what we see here? How does that relate to our lives? Um, and what's going on? Helping us to understand that. Uh, so we'll start with the encouragement because it says the Lord has fought for you. It comes, it says it more than once. God has fought for you. He says, look at what God has done. Look at the success that you have enjoyed. Look at the victory that you've known. That is God fighting for you. That's a big deal. That's not something to just take for granted. That's not a situation where you should ascribe the glory to yourself. 
God himself has fought for you. God has been at work uh, with you, leading you through. In fact, Joshua points away from himself. Says, it's the Lord. The Lord is that. The Lord promised. The Lord did it. Sure, Joshua was used as as their kind of earthly leader, but really it was it was God who was bringing them the victory. He wants them to understand that. And we, as New Covenant believers, need to need to recognise how much more do we see that God has fought for us when when, when we when we remember the gospel. How much more do we realise He is for us? <laughs> He is for us. When you see him giving Joshua, giving his only son, Jesus, to come and to and to lead this attack upon the forces of darkness, to lead this incredible victory march. He's, in the life of Jesus, you see him marching against demonic oppression, marching against lives that have been ruined by darkness, marching against sickness, marching against death. He's saying, the kingdom is among you. This is what my kingdom is about. It points us powerfully towards our destiny in the new heavens and the new earth, where there'll be no death, where there'll be no oppression, where there'll be no sickness, where there'll be no darkness. It's a, it's the, the king is here and the king saying, this is what my kingdom is like. This is what my kingdom is all about. From this point onwards, through to the creation of the new heavens and the new earth, this kingdom will be advancing through the church. Okay, so, so, the, so the father sends the son and through the son fights for us. At the cross, we're told that Jesus disarmed the rulers and the authorities. It's not talking about um, earthly governments here. It's talking about spiritual powers. Spiritual powers at work invisibly behind the things that go on in the earth that are bent on ruining people's lives, that are bent on destroying souls, that are bent on leading people into deception and leading people down cul-de-sacs and making promises to people into their hearts and minds that will never be fulfilled, leading people away from their creator. Jesus at the cross disarmed those God has fought for us. Incredible. Wonderful. And then Joshua says to the people, he says, I want you, listen. It's a fascinating phrase. Verse 6, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Turning aside from it, neither to the right hand, nor to the left. So we're saying be devoted to God through being devoted to Scripture. Not turning to the right or to the left. There are so many things that can turn you to the right or to the left from Scripture. So many other ideologies, so many other philosophies, so many other ways of thinking that can turn us aside to the right or to the left. We may still be reading our Bible, but it can become compartmentalised. It can become a, a box-ticking exercise. It can become, oh, I've, I've done my devotional, rather than letting the Scriptures shape the way we think about everything, rather than letting God's Word form our worldview so we, we think about uh, life, ourselves, God, everyone else, in light of what the Bible teaches. That's what Joshua is saying. Not to be distracted by this new idea or this fad or this phase or this trend or this uh, this the it's good to know what's going on but you, your devotion and uh, the your your chief concern should be with what does god say your chief concern he uses an interesting phrase later on in the passage where he talks about clinging clinging to the lord Trying to find it. <laughs> it does say it. Where were we? Excuse me. 
He talks about if he talks about turning back and clinging to the remnant of the nations that remained among them. And he's warning them against that. And he tells them to cling to the Lord. Cling to him. Don't cling to them. One way or another, you will end up clinging to something. And he says the way you, one of the chief ways you cling to the Lord is that you are devoted to his word. Devoted. That, that, that whether you're a theologian or a pastor or not, if you're a believer, that you are a student of God's word. That you that whatever faculties you've been given, whatever whatever you've been given by God in terms of understanding, ability, that you that you use that and you are devoted to God's word with that. That's not just for the experts. If 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 it becomes a scenario where that's just from the experts, where we are regressing. Lives were laid down. Lives were laid down in the UK. People were martyred so that so that the everyday believer could have a copy of the scriptures in his hand. Blood was spilt so that you didn't adopt a posture where you basically just said to the pastor or to the preacher, tell me what's in there. There are those who are gifted to unpack and to teach, and that's a wonderful thing. But we have a copy. We have each can have a copy. You can have as many copies as you like in your house. You can have a copy in your hands before you where you can be in the word of God. What an honor. What a privilege. And it's fascinating what he's saying to them. He's saying, I want you to be devoted to, to the word of God. Verse 7, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But there we go. Verse 8, but you shall cling to the Lord your God. And then later, and then later, then in verse 13, know for certain the Lord your God will no longer drive out. He won't, he won't keep leading you in victory. But they, the, these nations will be a snare and a trap for you until you perish, if you turn aside. Now, how do we deal with that? Because we believe in the grace of God. We believe that if you get saved, you get saved by the grace of God and the grace of God alone. We believe in these lofty doctrines of, of, of election that when Jesus said to his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And that in saying that, he points towards these amazing scriptures like in Ephesians 1, before the foundation of the world, God chose you in him to, to be holy and blameless that, that we have been gotten a hold of by God that God and so that and so in that sense we here we are in love with Jesus new creations filled with the Holy Spirit simply by the grace of God by the good pleasure of God where he moved towards us in love opened the eyes of our hearts by his Holy Spirit and showed us the gospel here wow this this is amazing but it can give the impression it can lead you into that understanding we thought well, I haven't got to do anything now because it's just it's the grace of God. I haven't got to do anything now. But actually, perhaps somewhat surprisingly, that is not the way the Bible writers and the Christians that we know of and that we read about how they responded to that amazing grace. That when they when they got it, when their heart apprehended, got a hold of what God had done, that God Himself had called them by name, had moved towards them in love, had given their, His one and only Son to pay the price for their sin so that they can have a, a free a, a, a free forgiveness, a clean slate, a fresh start, all coming out of the, the free electing love of God. When they've seen that and grasped that, they've just done what, what humans do when they know they are loved, what babies do when they realise their mum and dad love them and smile and they start smiling back at some point. There's this reciprocating love, there's this desire to love back, to give ourselves to him, to pour out our lives for him. That's what happens 
when you see the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so in here we see this warning, don't go back, don't don't assimilate to the world, don't go back to the world, don't go back to worldly thinking. Don't don't allow your don't allow yourself to be squeezed into the shape of this age, as it says in Romans 12, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might really be able to prove and know for sure what the will of God is, that will which is good, pleasing and perfect. What a promise. What a promise. We have these warnings in the New Testament. These warnings are there in the New Testament. The New Testament tells us of the grace of God in Jesus. But then you, you go to the book of Hebrews, for example, and it says, be careful. It's really serious warnings about once you've known the gospel, once you've seen it and grasped it. If you then go on deliberately sinning or, you know, if you kind of fall away, or if you just go, go back to the world, go back to what you were in before. You mustn't do that. It's a really serious thing. Why did, what, how do those two things work together? This amazing grace and those warnings. Well, these warnings are for us. The grace of God is part of God's gracious provision. He knows. He knows our hearts are prone to wander. He knows it. He knows there's seasons where following Jesus just could start to feel hard and maybe too hard. He knows. He knows that there are times in the walk of faith where everything in you cries out to just take back control of your life. As if you ever were. But you know, it's tempting Jump back into the driver's seat. Start being your own lord and boss. Start making your own decisions. He knows that. He understands that. And so he gives us these warnings, not to be mean or harsh, but because he knows our heart can get cold. Our heart, we can get complacent. And he says, no, come on, this is serious. This is really serious thing. It's an, it's an amazing thing. And here's, here's really where, where the Lord wants us to be. The Lord wants us to be where he was. Jesus was in the world, but he wasn't of it. He was in it, but he wasn't of it. And let me tell you, if you think it's easy to be in the world and not of it, you are mistaken. <laughs> it's so much easier to either just be in the world, just in the world, you know, and of it. <laughs> just assimilate. Assimilate. And if you feed, if you feed enough on just um, culture, um, wider society, the world without being genuinely devoted to scripture you will gradually assimilate it might not be that you run headlong into gross sin but just the way you think the way you understand life yourself your values the decisions that you make the priorities it will be like a it's a it's a it's a creep it just it's, it's a little it just creeps 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 and before you know it, you think god oh, i'm just thinking like everyone else or the other extreme is you stay out of the world, you ghetto-wise, you cut yourself off, you you know, you just try to try to sort of hole up in a in a Christian ghetto, in a Christian bubble, and you know, you just you you uh, and you may not assimilate in that way, but you're never gonna reach anyone. You're never gonna really be able to shine your light, you're never gonna really be able to be salty, you never you're never you're never gonna show people what Jesus is like unless you're doing evangelism and praise god we, yes we should do evangelism but actually jesus said let your light shine so people might see your good works let them see how you live let them see the way that you live so that they can be impacted so that they can glorify your father who's in heaven so look at look at your life and say there must be a god wow how about that we're to take these warnings to heart we're to be encouraged by the way to say thank you lord that these keep me sharp they keep me from becoming the lazy version of myself, the selfish version, 
of myself. You know, the Bible talks about running our race. We're not, we're not running against others. We're running against different versions of ourselves. Running against the unbelieving version of myself. The timid version of myself. The lazy, the greedy. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Who brings the presence of the Father and the Son into our very heart. Being conformed to the likeness of Christ. Being in the world. But not, not of the world. May God help us continue to grow in wisdom and discernment as we look upwards to him. As we look outwards, as we look outwards praying for and caring about the lost, serving, sharing, speaking of Jesus, speaking of Jesus. As we love our neighbour, as we continue to encourage and build up one another. It's a fruitful life. It's a counterculture life, not focused on self. It's a countercultural life. May God continue to lead us into that and lead us into true fruit. Amen.